Hello and welcome to What You Said on this Tuesday, December the 13th, 2016. I'm Mike Hanley and each week I dive deep into the comments section on our Facebook and Twitter feeds and wade through the toxic sludge to find the gems that lie beneath. It's quite the task as we shall see this week. So this week we're going to look at a couple of videos that we put out onto our Facebook page. Each of them got about a half a million views apiece. Uh, one of them is on why women drop out of engineering and the other one is on artificial intelligence and how Google has developed a machine that has created its own language which is quite a scary proposition for many of you and who made it known with in no uncertain terms on our comment feed on Facebook. So first of all, this first video on why women drop out of engineering. According to the Bureau of Labor in the United States, some 20% of engineering graduates are women, yet only 13% of engineers are actually women. So there's something happens between graduation from university and actually getting jobs as engineers. In order to explore what's happening here, some researchers followed 700 graduates in Massachusetts and discovered why it is that so many women drop out of engineering as a career. Seems that the female students, in when they got their first jobs or in their summertime jobs or in their first work experiences, had markedly different experiences to their male counterparts. While their male counterparts got real engineering work to do, the women were asked to do secretarial or organisational or filing or other jobs. And that had the effect of turning women off actually pursuing engineering as a career. And they dropped out. Well, the findings from this research and the video in which we summarise those findings sparked off quite the debate on our Facebook feed. And it was quite revealing and in places quite shocking for a novice and naive person such as myself. Anna Arnordo studied molecular biology at Princeton University and she commented, This is not shocking at all. My boss repeatedly asked me to do secretarial work. She uses a different four-letter word. Research incubators, train students, etc., etc., to the point where sexism in our lab was an open point of discussion. And I did all of it, all of this secretarial work, in addition to coming up with my own thesis projects. Sexism is not subtle in science, technology, engineering and math fields, says Anna. It has nothing to do with giving birth. Some of the best scientists in the world have children, such as a Nobel Prize winner Blackburn, who won the prize for telomerase, she says. Bird Berger, the head of the epigenetics program at the University of Pennsylvania. Tilgman, founder of imprinting and the first female president of Princeton. And these are the only ones I have personally met and admire, says Arnaudo. Even Marie Curie had children, at least one of whom won their own Nobel Prize. So that's what Anna had to say. Meanwhile, Rita Plotke from Nevada follows this up. 
with an observation. Everyone I know experiences this. Not every boss or every situation, but all females I know in the trades, electrical, plumbing, ironworkers, whatever, have definitely experienced this. Well, Things didn't go well on the comments stream. From there, our female followers reported that being treated differently to their male counterparts is a common experience. Many of our male followers, however, seemed to reject that assertion. In fact, looking through the comments stream on this particular video, you would have thought that all of the last 50 years of progress in closing the gender gap, in putting forward corporate policies for uh, diverse workforces and equality in the workplace was just a mirage. Most of the male commenters thought that it was obvious that women graduates should be treated differently and natural that if a woman wanted to do a job, she should have to work harder and be more dedicated than a male counterpart. Well, little snowflake flower that I am, I was and am shocked by this. I don't know why I'm surprised, but, but I am. I know, I know for a fact that we all have our unconscious biases and that when I look at a person, I'm, you know, I'm wired to judge them by, you know, who they are, what they look like, whether they're a male or a female, what their race is, what their age is, when, you know, when they open their mouth, what sort of accent do they have? All of these factors come into play when we interact with each other. But the very fact that we are all different and the very fact that we know that these biases occur makes me work extra special hard to overcome them and to treat others in an equal fashion. Or maybe that is just a naive way to approach things. Maybe that is simply, you know, particularly in this age of, you know, in the, particularly in this age when, when the president-elect has been given a mandate, perhaps that's, you know, all in the past and it's every man for himself. I don't know. What's clear is that when we open things up in the digital space, that people have no problem exposing their prejudices. And the traditional values you know, values that see that women have a particular role and men have another, that people are natural, you know, people's fates are naturally determined by their differences. These ideas have a very strong hold on people. And if, like me, you think that these values need to be overcome, we are going to have a very challenging time. Digging around in the comment streams of controversial posts can be very revealing and sometimes a very scary activity, but quite worthwhile sometimes. So on to the next post from this week, another controversial subject, the development of artificial intelligence, and in this case, the development of a new machine language through the use of translation. Google, of course, is the market leader, in fact, the dominant provider of computer-based translation, and it's been tinkering with its translation engine. In particular, in September, it launched a new version that is driven by a particular kind of, I don't know, fuzzy logic, artificial intelligence, some kind of technology that is beyond the likes of the layman such as you and I. But if you are, like I am, a heavy user of Google Translate, you may have noticed that Google Translations have lately become much better. As part of the development of Google Translate, Google has discovered that the computers that it has been using behind its translation engines have developed their very own language without 
actually it being programmed into them by the human engineers. The language is invisible, not understandable to humans, and the engineers don't even know for a fact that it exists. They just think it probably might. So how's that for a scary proposition? This happened as the engineers, the Google, the Google Translate engineers, worked on the translation of Japanese to Korean and vice versa, because it seems that the usual method for translating Japanese to Korean and Korean to Japanese is to go via a third language, English. So in order to get from, you know, konnichiwa, watashi no namai wa maikeru desu to whatever the equivalent is in Korean, you ha would have to go through, hello, my name is Michael. You have to go via English. But what the Google Translate engineers have done is to ask the computers to use artificial intelligence to close that gap and go directly from Japanese to Korean. What the engineers did was they taught the machines Japanese, Korean and English, each of those languages separately, and then asked the machine to learn to translate directly from one language to the other, first by using English as a bridge language, and then directly. What they discovered was that the machine developed its own interlingua, they call it. This interlingua is its own language. It is a language between the languages. It's a meta-language or a I'm sure the linguists have a term for it, which matches up the words, the equivalent words between Japanese and Korean directly. You don't need a third language in the a third human language in the middle. You have instead a digital and invisible digital language between the two. The artificial intelligence and engineering experts aren't completely sure that, that this language actually exists, but they think it's the case. And many of you, when we posted this video, thought that this was pretty scary stuff. Mark Polain calls himself the Mighty Dutchman on Facebook, said, It sounds amazing, and on the other hand, somewhat terrifying. After all, what if these AIs create their own language that we mere mortal humans don't understand? The AIs could start communicating with each other about the best way to dominate us pesky humans that are holding back the AIs of this world. Well, this is an interesting theme, and in fact one that was taken up by my colleague Sebastian Buckup in an article on Quartz where he discusses whether perhaps the best way to rule the world might be to have the computers make all the decisions. Take a look on Quartz, search for Sebastian Buckup and read the piece. It's exceedingly interesting and in fact outlines an activity that we will be taking with us to Davos where we ask a computer to make important complex decisions on behalf of humans. It's quite scary stuff. But anyway, back to the artificial intelligence Google Translate story. Juanita Ramirez Montoya replies to Mark Polain on our Facebook feed, this is really scary. So while Google has absolutely all of our internet research data to create artificial intelligence, they are also allowing it to have its very own language that none of us as outsiders know. Don't be surprised if in the future we are asked or encouraged to learn this language for the sake of our own human survival. 
AI is seriously dangerous in the wrong hands of a world that is so corrupted and chaotic like it is today. Even if this is regulated, who can really say it will always be safe? Think twice before playing with the gods, says Juanita. Well, I have to say, it is a sentiment that I can wholeheartedly agree and one that we are extremely mindful here of the World Economic Forum. Indeed, as the fourth industrial revolution, these this combination of all of these technologies that combine and make us into more than we are as individuals, as this fourth industrial revolution unfolds around us, there will be ever more scenarios where none of us actually have a full view of the emerging technologies and their impact on our daily lives and of who we are as people. Clearly, it is extremely important for us to understand the values that we want to integrate into our technology development and how to prioritise those over others. Easier said than done, perhaps, but as we head towards our annual meeting in Davos, that's one of the main themes we'll be working with leaders around. If you would like to get involved in these discussions as we head towards Davos and during the annual meeting, don't forget that we're calling out for public engagement in the Davos program and please head to wef.ch slash Davos Voices. That's wef.ch slash Davos Voices, all one word, to get an idea of what we're looking for and how you can participate. This was What You Said, and I'm Mike Hanley, coming to you from the headquarters of the World Economic Forum here in Geneva, Switzerland. All good until next week. Looking forward to seeing your comments and queries online. Please drop me an email if there's anything in particular you would like me to comment on in this program. Thank you very much for listening all the way through. <laughs>